Hey there, thanks for joining me today for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. My name is Betty. I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, passionate lymphedema advocate, wife, mother, and the voice behind Lymphedema Podcast. What began as a small passion project in 2019 to provide answers and explanations to people with the lymphatic disease lymphedema has now reached more than 75 countries. Whether you're a patient, caregiver, or medical professional, or someone interested in lymphedema, there is an episode here for you. Every week this season, there will be a new episode to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. I am so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Hello, and welcome back for episode 100 of Lymphedema Podcast. What a huge milestone. What an incredible journey it has been meeting you, learning with you, and sharing stories with you. Before I get into today's guest introduction, I want to sincerely thank you for being here. I am just one person with a passion for lymphedema who's been blessed with a husband in radio and TV. He literally had everything I needed just laying around for me to start a passion project for free. Today, Lymphedema Podcast is listened to in more than 75 countries worldwide. Lymphedema does not discriminate and knows no boundaries. So I will continue to lend my voice to share your stories, successes, and failures as long as a voice is needed to educate and inform others. So switching gears now to the show, this is your warning to not listen to this episode with children present or your in-laws. Wink, wink. Pregnancy and postpartum is a beautiful thing, but it's also a total train wreck sometimes without adding on a chronic and progressive condition, lymphedema. If you have ever had a vagina or loved someone with a vagina, this episode, it's for you. And hint, hint, vagina will be the key word in this episode. Trish is a primary lymphedema patient who was diagnosed at age 31 in 2020 She and her husband were planning to have children, so she began researching how lymphedema could affect a future pregnancy. Trish knows firsthand how pregnancy can bring out all kinds of issues. After all, she is a labor and delivery nurse and has 12 years of experience. Pre-pregnancy, she wore bilateral thigh-high compression daily with an ankle overlay for extra distal compression, as well as abdominal bike shorts. Other daily tools that she used were self-MLD and her pneumatic compression pump. She was really on top of her care pre-pregnancy. After learning she was pregnant, she met with her CLT to create a plan to keep her on track and confirmed this plan with her physician. Already, Trish has earned all the gold stars that I have. Vigilant with compression and home management tools, and she made a plan that was shared with her physician. I'm super impressed. I think now is the perfect time to get some more details from Trish on what happened after her plan was made. Hi, Trish. Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me today to talk about pregnancy and postpartum. Did you know that today is the 100th episode of the podcast? It did. That is so exciting. I'm like so excited to be with you guys for this like milestone. It's huge. And I'm unfortunately, I'm kind of ashamed that it's taken me this many episodes to cover pregnancy and postpartum in more detail. But I think it's fitting because I 100% feel that this is the exact story that I want to share for this special occasion. 
having been a woman who has experienced labor and delivery and pregnancy myself, um, this story resonates with me a little bit more. I remember going through my own pregnancy journey and even being in the hospital, we ended up having an extra four nights, I think four nights in the hospital after my little boy was born. And I just kept thinking like, this guy has to be so much harder for women who have lymphedema. And so I am extremely happy to share your story, but I'm mostly glad that you're willing to share it with us. I'm just excited that I like found you and that you're so passionate about this because there's not a lot of information out there, which is hard because I mean, I really try to be proactive and make a plan and, and it's just challenging because like my physician's a high risk doctor, but I'm his first primary lymphedema patient. So like, it's just hard because there's not a lot of resources for physicians or for like even the medical staff taking care of you. Like you have to advocate for yourself. So I think this will be really helpful for people to be able to kind of have that like knowledge to be able to take to their providers and like be an active part of their care. 100%. I think being active and proactive is the best thing you can do with lymphedema, no matter if you're male or female, wherever you are on this journey, Mm -hmm. um, being active in your own care and the decisions that are being made and being proactive about what's being done is just one of the best things. You did just mention that you have a high risk pregnancy physician. Was that because you have lymphedema and that was a new diagnosis or was there an, an underlying condition that you were referred to a high risk pregnancy physician? So part of it was just that I probably would have seen him no matter what, because I work with him and I know that he is awesome, (laughs) even if I didn't have problems, Um, because he does see just like regular pregnancies as well, like if you choose to go to him. But I also have Erlothamos, and that combined with my lymphedema just put me at risk for like preterm labor and cervical incompetence. And preeclampsia, which I ended up having two of those things. Um, So just having, knowing that I had someone closely monitoring my pregnancy for those things that I was at risk for was really important to me. Um, Even if he wasn't completely in the loop with lymphedema as a whole, like he at least was paying attention to all of those things that could go wrong. And after you made your plan with your CLT and you confirmed it with him, How did the rest of your pregnancy go? Uh, My pregnancy actually went fairly well. So I actually had like a prenatal appointment with my OB and with my CLT because I was planning on being pregnant. And so we kind of had a general plan then. And the plan was to like see them once I was pregnant. Um, And then our plan was just to continue with compression um, with whatever like kind of came along the way. And then to continue doing those like basic things, like staying hydrated, staying active um, and like eating well. And then it was probably like mid pregnancy when just normal pregnant people get swelling um, that I started having like a couple flare ups. And then my CLT, we kind of added in bandaging. Um, I continued doing MLD and my pump throughout my whole pregnancy Um, I did also do some kinesio taping um, and things like that just to kind of keep my swelling like 
as like down as I could, um, which actually was really successful, like balancing those things. And then I went, I don't know actually how many times I went to see my CLT during pregnancy, but um, we went, I went often, um, I would say like at least every month or so. Um, and like even my mom and my husband learned how to be a bitch. So like as I got too big to reach my toes, which just happened, then <laughs> I had someone else who could also help me um, do those like basic care needs that um, I could no longer do for myself. Already, you mentioned support. More than one person was supporting you. It wasn't just your OB saying, yeah. okay, this is how we can do it, or just your CLT. You had yeah. medical support and you had home support. How important was that to your pregnancy? It was really important because, I mean, I didn't feel like, even though really truthfully, my CLT and myself were really the only like, quote unquote, knowledgeable people about lymphedema, like having my husband and my mom and my OB team, like try and want to learn and like go through that journey with me just emotionally was very important because it wasn't like I was doing it alone, which it could have very well felt that way if I hadn't had their support because they could have very easily been like, I don't know anything about lymphedema. Like, I don't know how to help you. And I feel like that's how a lot of people maybe are. And having their support was like crucial, I feel like, to just my like emotional like ability to like bounce through the waves that kind of happened. That's good. They could kind of help you ride those waves as they came. That's good. Mm -hmm. So moving forward into this journey was your birth plan to deliver vaginally or by cesarean did the lymphedema play a role in any of that decision making there yeah so I mean my plan was always to deliver vaginally like if it was safe um our baby was actually breached for like (laughs) ever (laughs) so it almost was a c-section um but then he decided to flip at the end but um yeah we always had kind of like plan on having a vaginal delivery. My OB had recommended that I was induced like a couple weeks before my due date, like two weeks before, just because normal pregnant people swell at the end. So he's like, if we can keep you from having the swelling that we know everyone has, then we can also try to help you not have too much fluid retention. Um, and so we kind of just had that plan that we were going to kind of take it as it went, but that that would kind of be like our end for that. But truthfully, like I asked everyone beforehand, like, what should I be prepared for? And like, it never really crossed my mind, like that no matter if I would have had a C-section or a vaginal delivery, that those like points of impact could be swollen. So you do mention that the lymphedema and everything was well-managed during your pregnancy. Was your pregnancy, did it go as planned? Was everything just fine? You went to 40 weeks and baby came out. How did that go with your pregnancy? Not related to lymphedema. Oh yeah, definitely not. My pregnancy was uh, not a textbook pregnancy. (laughs) Um, So we kind of knew that we would probably deliver early because my OB kind of like warned me that like with my early stimulus and the lymphedema together, it was probably going to affect my cervix in some way. Um, So we were prepared for that, but I started having preterm labor at 25 weeks 
And I truly don't know if that was the lymphedema, the Earl of Samuels, or just me, because some people just go into preterm labor. Um, but I was on like several medications to keep me from delivering early. And I continued those until 36 weeks. Um, and my, um, like the physician that I see that is like, quote unquote, my lymphedema specialist was like not a huge fan of those medicines because they can cause swelling. Um, and thankfully, like I was so vigilant with my compression that like it did not cause any issues with me. But, um, and then we went into the hospital, uh, because my blood pressure was elevated and the baby wasn't moving a lot. And we got admitted to the like antepartum where you stay, if you're still pregnant, not delivering yet, but you need to be in the hospital. And we hung out there for a couple of days and then, um, just to try to get like as far into my pregnancy as we could with me still being safe and the baby still being safe. And we got a couple more days. So we delivered at like 36 weeks and changed because my preeclampsia got severe. Um, and then that just kind of like, you know, we got induced. I was on IV fluids, magnesium, Pitocin, like had an epidural, had internal monitors. Like I had all the things. <laughs> I had all of the interventions you can have probably. Um, so it definitely was. Um, uh, eventful experience, but nothing that I like wasn't familiar with just from working there. Um, and nothing that I like didn't anticipate, like as I was going through the process, but, um, but we had a healthy baby boy out of it. So it was all worth it. <laughs> that is the best outcome. A healthy baby boy. I totally feel you on all the interventions. Um, I can relate to that minus the lymphedema situation. Mine was, uh, like my water broke early, but it was just barely broke. And I was just barely dilated. And they were like, we're going to have a baby. And I was like, are you sure I can't go home and take a nap and like eat some breakfast? I'm like, nope, you have to stay here and we have to get you on a monitor and you have to lay in this bed and you can't go anywhere. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> So that didn't, that wasn't super great for me, but what I think, okay. The reason why I brought up mine, because this interview is not about me, but what I think is interesting to compare notes on is that no matter what your pregnancy journey is, what other complications you have, um, because most people who have lymphedema do not just have lymphedema. Um, there could Mm -hmm. be something else going on, um, that they had that, caused the lymphedema, if they're secondary lymphedema or if they're primary lymphedema, they tend to have something else that plays a part in it. And just as humans, we seem to have multiple things affecting us that could influence our lymphedema or influence our pregnancy and the way that our babies are born. So I only mentioned my situation and my experience with labor and delivery to kind of compare it against someone who didn't have lymphedema. Lymphedema Podcast is made possible by the support of Eros Medical, Ryland's Feet Foundation, Dr. Jenna Wishnu at Lamb Vascular and Associates, Juzo Compression, MediUSA, and the National Lymphedema Network. For more information and to browse previous episodes, visit the Lymphedema Podcast website. I could have easily had lymphedema and had the same um, interventions as you did, but I didn't have lymphedema and had very similar 
interventions as you did. So yeah, I think a good resource is always to learn as much about pregnancy as you can and what those effects on your body are, because pregnancy can do some weird stuff to the female body anyways. And just the results of the pregnancy and the delivery are pretty hard on our body. Um, like you're talking about the points of impact, like that's a pretty significant, uh, trauma, honestly, that your body has to go through. It's not like a blooming flower where like something beautiful then comes (laughs) out. It's like, I'm ripping out of you and I'm not, I don't care Mm -hmm. what I damage on the way out. It just kind of happens. And so I think just having the reassurance that one, there is no, I, you can correct me. You have much more experience in labor and delivery than I do. There is no perfect birth plan and rarely do those birth plans go as planned. And so lymphedema or not, you may have Mm -hmm. as much detail written down for your birth plan, the lack of interventions or have every intervention labeled off in preference, (laughs) um, however it may go, but everyone is going to be different and just understanding what to expect before during and after is helpful, which is why I think the story is super important. No, I completely agree. I feel like going in to your pregnancy, knowing that you have lymphedema, but not letting it control everything is really important because pregnancy in general causes swelling. In general, it causes fluid retention and things like that. So like not getting so caught up in like the sadness of lymphedema, but like looking at it as like, okay, you, you're pregnant and you're going to have a beautiful baby and you're going to swell. So let's just focus on how we can control that opposed to like, I mean, this sounds mean, but like, instead of being sorry for yourself, like, I mean, there were lots of days during my pregnancy that I was like, I just want to be normal. Like I want to not have to wrap my leg today. Like I just want to be a normal pregnant person. And like, that is okay to like acknowledge, but it's also very important to not let it take control and to know that like, no matter what, like there are like communities out there to reach out to and find support. If you don't have support within your family, like, because pregnancy in general is an emotional experience. And like setting yourself up for success is like super important, finding those like support systems. So even if it's strangers who live in another state or another country that you find, like, I feel like that's really important. The aspect of community, I don't think can be said enough and emphasized enough in this journey with lymphedema. I mean... I don't want to sound dramatic, but it's easier to do anything with someone who understands. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to compare it to like working out. If I have a workout partner, I am much more compliant. I'm much more, you know, excited about whatever I'm about to go do. If it's a run or if it's like lifting weights or cycling or whatever it is, but that's the same thing with lymphedema. You Mm -hmm. have connection with someone who understands your lymphedema I don't understand what it's like to live with lymphedema. I can imagine it. I have seen people in it, but I cannot fully relate to others who have lymphedema 
like you can relate to women out there who are pregnant, wanting to be pregnant or fearful of having another baby because of the way their first pregnancy went. So that community and sharing those stories and connecting with others, it just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it can't be overstated enough. I can't advertise or like shout it from a mountain tall enough that people should really try to come together and openly discuss these topics, which is one reason why this is the show topic today is that there's a lot of women with lymphedema, like the majority of um, our camp attendees for camp watch me are young girls. And I think about these things now that I know their families and I know them personally, I'm like, wow, one day these kids are going to be grown women who mm-hmm. want to have sex, want to get married. How are they going to have that conversation with their partner? How are they going to navigate pregnancy and postpartum? And mm-hmm. this is just one piece of the puzzle that will help them so much. Exactly. Okay. I'll get off of that soapbox and jump back into <laughs> your um, labor and delivery journey because there's so much more we still want to talk about. I wanted to ask you about IV or any fluids during um, labor and even during your recovery. Were you on any IV fluids? I was. So that, that was something that we actually talked about a lot in my prenatal visits because I like really wanted to make sure that we had balance between what I needed medically speaking, and not like overly giving me fluids. Um, So I was on IV fluids. Um, I was on magnesium sulfate because of the preeclampsia. And then I was on Pitocin. So I had like a whole Christmas tree things going on. And I kind of think I had antibiotics too. I don't even know. I had lots of things on my, I called it my Christmas tree. My physician team and my OB team in labor and delivery were very conscious of making sure that I didn't get fluids until like I needed them. And then making sure that I have like a lower rate to keep me from getting like fluid retention from the IV fluids. So I feel like there was really good balance in that so that I didn't have like 10 bags of IV fluids or something. So because you're the labor and delivery nurse and I am not, I know that I was cautious of IV fluids early on from some resources that I had read about labor and delivery and some unnecessary interventions, you know, however you want to define that. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us the audience what the significance of IV fluids and retention during labor and delivery. So you can explain that a little bit better um, about why I'm including that question. Yeah, definitely. So like IV fluids are really important for labor process um, to receive because your uterus is a muscle. So a hydrated muscle will always work better and more efficiently than a dehydrated muscle. So um, that's like a big reason why we give you IV fluids. It also helps like with perfusion of your fetus like your baby. And um, if you do get an epidural, IV fluids also help you to not have like those blood pressure shifts, which are what when a lot of people say they got their epidural and then they felt like crap. And, um, you know, their baby's heart rate dropped and stuff like that. It's because they didn't get enough IV fluids and their blood pressure dropped. So their baby was impacted. So those IV fluids are really important to protect your body and to like help it along that journey of labor. Um, and even if you don't get enough 
epidural IV fluids help you retain, you know, like help you stay hydrated because even if you deliver completely naturally with no interventions, like as far as like Pitocin and things like that goes, at some point you stop wanting to drink water because you're doing an ab work out every two minutes. <laughs> so um, you aren't drinking fluids, so you're not um, able to stay hydrated. And we found that like by staying hydrated, your labor actually goes a lot smoother. So that's why we give you IV fluids when you're laboring, no matter what is going on with you. Um, but but like you also want to be conscious of like I was in the hospital for three days before I delivered. I didn't have IV fluids that whole time. I just had an IV in my arm and they just flushed it to make sure that it worked in the case that I needed it. But it wasn't like I was getting fluids that whole time because then I would have had, you know, a ton of fluids on board that were not necessary. So being able to like advocate, and I don't feel like it's ever wrong because I tell my patients this all the time. I don't feel like it is ever wrong to ask why someone is ever doing anything because if somebody is doing something for you or to you in a hospital situation or in a doctor's office, like they should be able to tell you why they're doing it or they shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> like there should always point. be a reason why they're doing something. Um, and if they don't know why they're doing it. They should know who to ask or they should be able to be open to the conversation of not doing it. And it doesn't just stop with your lymphedema. <laughs> That's our message. Yes, that is just a general life, life <laughs> advice. <laughs> we really have a whole bunch still to get to about what postpartum and what it was like after delivery for you. Baby comes out, he's here, he's healthy. How's mom? What was delivery like? What was recovery like after so, delivery? Yeah. So um, delivery was actually like awesome. I mean, like <laughs> I got an epidural. I took a nap. I woke up and had pressure. It was magical. I pushed seven times, had a baby. Like I was really good at the delivery part. I'm like very proud of that because I really sucked at the pregnancy part. <laughs> I had to work really hard to stay pregnant. So it's like really easy to deliver, um, which was nice. Um, but I truthfully, like I was on the magnesium, like I said, and that kind of makes you kind of out of it because it just kind of relaxes everything in your body to prevent you from having a seizure, which is important, but like, it also just kind of like makes you foggy. So I don't really know when my swelling started. I wore my thigh high compression, like up until the time that we broke my water broke for a compression standpoint. I knew I had been like as proactive as I could be for my legs. I never even for a second thought about my labia and my like bottom and like my whole core area being affected. Um, because it just like nobody ever brought it up. Like, I mean, obviously a baby comes out of your vagina or your abdomen. So like, I just kind of assumed that through all these conversations prenatally, like that someone would have told me that, hey, when you deliver, your vagina is going to swell. It's going to happen. <laughs> Nobody said anything. So, Dang um, it. And Dang like, them. I know. I was like so annoyed. Um, but now we're here and I'm able to help other people. So, um, so like I had a couple of stitches and my doctor was like, Trish, I'm just going to put a catheter in because you're kind of swollen and I just don't know if you're going to be able to pee. And that should have been one red flag that I was very swollen because I only pushed a couple of times. So 
normally that is a normal thing that we will do if people push for like hours. Like some people push for like three hours or more and their bottoms are appropriately swollen, no matter the fact that they have anything going on because there's just a lot of pressure down there. So like we'll do that for those ladies so that they don't have urinary retention. So I was just like, okay. And then I went to postpartum. Everybody was telling me, oh, you really need to put ice on your bottom. Like you're just really swollen. Like they were showing my mom and my husband how to make like these special ice packs to put inside my labia because they were so swollen. Like second red flag, like should have like been like, uh, what are we doing down there? Um, but we tell people to wear ice on their bottom after they deliver because it helps reduce the swelling just in normal deliveries. So I was like, okay, whatever. I was still enjoying my baby, trying to rest as much as I could because I was just super tired from the max. Well, in case you couldn't tell, Trisha and I could talk for a very long time about this topic. And we did actually, almost an hour and a half to be exact. I'm gonna stop here and go ahead and edit all this down. You can hear her part two on postpartum journey that will air after the month of April. Be sure to subscribe to Lymphedema Podcast so you never miss a new release. For the month of April, I will be covering a special and sensitive topic on grief. I will cover four different faces of grief, the therapist, the patient, the parent, and the partner. I can't wait to see you next month. Mother Teresa says loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about pregnancy. Remember, if there is a topic you're looking for, the website has the full library of podcasts. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.